0: It is our privilege to bring to you the following message, supported by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our normal Sunday morning service times. Pastor Rick Foster is serving as our interim senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. We are in Part 8 of our journey through Philippians in Pastor Rick's series entitled, Finding Joy in Our Journey. Today, he's in Philippians 2, verses 19 to 30, as he looks at Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples of love and relationship. Let's join Pastor Rick now in his sermon entitled, World Flippers. Here's Rick. Everybody loves photographs.
1: Whether they're the printed form that you can pass out and hand out, whether they're digital that you have to flip through on on your camera or on your uh, computer, it doesn't matter. I have yet to be in a home where... It is not prominently displayed the extended family in some way. They want to be reminded of who's in the family and they want you to know who's part of their family. And when I've been in a home and have been the, and the hosts have been a newlywed couple, without any encouragement, what pops out? But the wedding album. You know, they want you to see that very important day in, in, in their life. Grandparents. If you're with them, you have to endure being given a six-inch stack of photographs of their grandkids doing everything from spreading spaghetti on each other's faces to hugging the dog so tight you think the eyes are going to pop out. Now, don't misunderstand. I love pictures. Lucy and I have our own collection of arguably the best-looking kids and grandchildren you'll ever see on the face of this earth. Um, But like you. We too like slowly at times scrolling through our pictures and remembering those wonderful times and those wonderful people. Now some of the pictures that we all treasure are portraits. They were taken in a studio where the lighting is controlled and the, yeah, the setting is just absolutely perfect. And even though staged, those pictures remind us of stages of life that are all too fleeting. But you know, some of the best stuff is the candid snapshots, isn't it? That's where all the action, that's where the imperfections are shown. So, yes, the hair is messed up, someone's eyes are closed, someone's face is dirty, someone's face is in contortions. And so even though we may not share those pictures with others, they are precious, aren't they, to us who look at them, Because they captured the reality of the moment. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verse 19 to verse 30 this morning. And here, Paul is going to share with us some of the candid snapshots that he has taken of his friends. Now, as we come to Philippians 2, starting in verse 19, understand these are not studio portraits. Portraits. Rather, they're taken in the middle of the action with all the raw vividness of the moment. Paul has not used Photoshop to clean it up or make it look better at all. He's just given it to us the way it really is. And Paul brings into his viewfinder the image of two men that were powerfully used by God in that generation. They're not celebrities, by the way. They're just ordinary individuals but they still made a distinctive impact for Jesus Christ. In fact, we're told that wherever they went, they ruffled feathers. They upset the status quo. We know this because of their enemies. Not their friends, but their enemies said of them in Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. See that phrase? They turned the world Upside down. Isn't that interesting? I mean, I find that interesting. That oftentimes the enemies of Jesus Christ and of Christianity have oftentimes a better grasp of what living out the reality of Jesus is all about, and that is it's revolutionary. Revolutionary. As followers of Jesus Christ, it should come as no surprise that our message and our lifestyle is a threat to the priorities and the pursuits of the world. Because of what God has done, and because of what He continues to do in us, we're world flippers, turning the world upside down. Now, men and women who are world flippers for God are not preoccupied with buildings. I mean, do you realize that the New Testament says absolutely nothing about the architecture of a church building? Nor are they focused on land. God created it all. It all belongs to Him. Nor are they focused on money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What's money to Him? No, God's world flippers are tuned into people. They're aware that people are of infinite value to God. And that's why the Lord wants us to go tell others about how we can have life with a capital L. He wants us to go to the ends of the earth. It's why we are to disciple others. We are to help them grow spiritually. God wants people to come to know him and his followers to grow more like him. So world flippers are passionate about impacting people. Okay, so what does it take to be a world flipper? Well, that's why Paul wants to pass around these pictures this morning here in Philippians chapter 2. He wants to share with us through these photographs he has taken of two of his closest friends what are some of the essential qualities of being or making an eternal impact on others for the sake of Jesus Christ. So let's pass around the first photo that Paul wants us to look at this morning. And notice that Paul has written a caption on the back of this one. The first photo is labeled, "This Servant with a Shepherd's Heart. It's all about Timothy. Verse 19, Philippians 2. Paul writes and says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Now, as you know, when you look at any photograph, it has a setting. In other words, behind and around the people that are in the photo uh, is a context that helps the photo have meaning. So let's very, look very carefully, first of all, it's the background for Timothy. Verse 19. He talks about this guy, Timothy. In Paul's first missionary journey, he visited a town in south central Turkey by the name of Lystra. Acts chapter 14, starting at verse 8, tells us about that story of when he first went into that town. It talks about how he was able, by the power of God, to miraculously heal a man. And in response, the crowds went nuts. They got so excited, they wanted to offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas, thinking that they were gods, and were told that Paul opposed them and tried to calm them down, saying, we are not gods, we are simply but men. And then the fickleness of the crowd, they flipped 180 degrees and stoned Paul, dragged him outside of the city, leaving him for dead. But Paul was not dead. And he got back up and went into the city. And that's the foundation for the church starting in Lystra. Now several years later Paul comes back through Lystra a second time and Lystra is Timothy's hometown. And that's when Paul was first introduced to Timothy. In fact, if you want to hold, turn back with me to Acts chapter 16, here is where we're told it happens. the first verses of Acts chapter 16, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. And so Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So as Paul writes this letter, now back in Philippians... Timothy has been his constant traveling companion for about 11 years. Timothy was with Paul when he first came through Philippi, so the church would know him and would remember him. Now, every photo not only has a background, it also has a foreground. And notice there are several important details we are given starting in verse twenty that Paul wants us to know about this man, Timothy. First of all, look at verse 20. Paul says, I have no one like him. If some of you are using the New American Standard Version, it says, I have no one else of like kindred spirits. I love that phrase, kindred spirit, because it talks about having the same heart and the same desires. Well, a heart and desire for what? Look at verse 20 again. Timothy has a genuine concern for your welfare. Notice, Timothy's got this sincere interest and care for others. He's got the heart of a a shepherd. He's got the heart of a pastor. And I think that's why later in life, Paul sends him to shepherd the church in Ephesus for him when he can't be there personally. Because he knows Timothy's got this genuine concern for others' welfare. By the way, isn't that beautiful? Because if you think about the context of chapter 2 that we've been in for several weeks now, this is a wonderful example of humility that we saw earlier in Philippians 2. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Where Paul told us several weeks ago, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So Timothy was the kind of guy, if he would walk up to you and ask, how are you doing? You really felt like he wanted to know. He really sincerely was caring about what was happening in your life. I mean, look at verse 21 verse 22. Paul says, in contrast to Timothy, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's Proven worth, underline that, proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. By that word, in verse 21, that word interest means to give thought to a matter. So Timothy's mind was occupied with seeking Jesus Christ's interest in other people. How revealing about this man. And how revealing about us. Whatever occupies our thinking is what we are truly interested and concerned about. We can really say that we care about someone else. But if we don't give it much thought, if they're really not on our mind, then we're really only fooling ourselves. With Timothy... He really thought a lot about others. So when we look at the background of Timothy and we look at the foreground, there's something powerful that Paul wants us to see about this man. And it explains why God was using him in that generation as a world flipper. See, there in the photo is the central focus. World flipper. Flippers are like Timothy in that they have got a sincere concern for the welfare of others. In fact, Paul talks about this in his own life in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 33. He says, I am not seeking my own advantage, but that of many. So back to verse 21 here in Philippians 2. It points out that a sincere concern for others comes by putting Jesus Christ down. First, when we put our Lord's interests first, then people start coming first in our lives. And that's why Timothy, I think, is such a great example of a shepherd. In fact, turn to John 10 for a quick second, because Jesus talks about something important about shepherds. In John 10, starting at verse 11. He's speaking about himself, but he reveals something more deeply about caring like a shepherd for people. Um, John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He, meaning the, 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 the uh, hired hand, is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Isn't that interesting? A shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep, but a hireling, a hired person, runs when trouble hits because taking care of the sheep is only a job for them. He really doesn't care. But that's not Timothy. As we see back in Philippians 2. World flippers are concerned with the needs of others, not consumed with just their own needs. They've got shepherds' hearts. That's a world flipper. And Paul wants us to pass this picture around, so make sure it gets up and down all of the rows here this morning, okay? And while that one is being passed around, let me start a second photo. Back in Philippians 2, Paul wants us to see a second individual that he's taken a snapshot of. And Paul is labeled on the back of that photo the common man with the uncommon commitment. This is Epaphroditus. Verse 25. And so I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my needs. Okay, let's do the same thing we did with Timothy's photo. Let's do also with Epaphroditus. Let's look at the background for a minute. Now, unfortunately... We don't know very much about this man. Um, He is only mentioned in the book of Philippians and nowhere else in the rest of the New Testament. But we do know from chapter 4 in verse 18 that we'll get to a little bit later this summer that he was sent by the church in Philippi to deliver a financial gift to Paul. But he was also sent to meet any other needs that Paul might have. In other words, the elders at Philippi gave Epaphroditus the church's visa card and told him to take care of Paul. Look at verse 25 again. Notice at the very end, it says, Epaphroditus is not only your messenger, but also your minister to my needs. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, the the name Epaphroditus is a Greek name which means he's a Gentile believer. More than likely, he wasn't a leader in the church at Philippi, but he was simply a layman who was willing to travel and go to Rome. Okay, now let's shift our perspective for a moment. From the background, let's consider the foreground. Verse 25. Paul calls him my brother. That points to a common savior. He then calls him a fellow worker, which points to their common purpose. He also calls him a fellow soldier, which points to their common struggle. Then he shifts it a little bit. And he says, and this is even more telling, that he is your messenger. That word literally means your ambassador to me. He was to represent the church to Paul, which means that he was... Delegated or commissioned by the church to carry out some specific duties on their behalf for Paul. Now back to what I mentioned we were get to in a moment. He was also your minister. Interesting, that word that they used, or Paul's using here to describe Epaphroditus, was also used to describe the function of Old Testament priests in the temple. They were giving sacred service to God. And yet that's exactly how Paul describes Epaphroditus' ministry to Paul. But isn't it interesting that we tend to think of sacred spiritual ministry to others as maybe preaching or teaching Sunday school or having the position of elder or having the position of pastor. But in God's eyes... Sacred ministry is also caring for the needs of others in practical ways, like meeting their financial needs, listening to their problems, offering rides, washing their car, visiting them in the hospital. That's also sacred ministry. And Epaphroditus cared for Paul in these small ways, and notice that it almost killed him. Look at verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. Look at verse 30. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life. Again, his illness... It was not just about catching a potent virus. It wasn't just something that happened and that he couldn't avoid it. Verse 30 tells us he was risking his life. That Greek word there, risking his life, literally means to gamble, to take a chance when the outcome is uncertain. It literally pictures the shaking of dice and rolling them, and you have no idea what numbers are going to come up. Risk. So Epaphroditus exposed himself to travel conditions and living conditions that were frankly dangerous. Sickness ran rampant in Roman prisons. It endangered his life to care for Paul's needs. And yet this man was so committed to the ministry assigned to him by the church in Philippi that he risked his life for it which brings us now to the center of focus in this picture. And this man reveals a second powerful quality of world flippers. And that is, they're people who are willing to give sacrificial service to meet the needs of others. And and unless we just think, well, this is just one guy getting radical, no, no. You need to realize in the very first generation, this mindset was predominant throughout the church. Let me give you some scriptures to think on. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, Paul says, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. Romans chapter 16 and verse 3 Paul writes, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Here's another one 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. One more. Revelation chapter 2, 12, verse 11. They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I just thought of this. Here's one more. I hadn't planned on this. Second Corinthians 12, verse 15. Paul says, I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. See, world flippers have made a choice. They realize the mandate which has been given to them to live and to serve Jesus. And so they go about it with a wholeheartedness that is willing to risk whatever is necessary. So again, this week, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff. And I'm asking myself, okay, Rick, what are you willing to risk in sacred service for others on behalf of Jesus Christ? Epaphroditus was willing to risk his health. Am I willing to risk my reputation? Risk a job? Risk an opportunity for advancement? Risk a window for financial gain that may never come my way again? Again? Risk a desire for marriage? Risk the companionship of a friend? What are we willing to risk for the sake of the gospel? Penetrating, upsetting, revolutionizing this generation. See, Paul wants this photo to also go up and down all the roads this morning. Look deeply at it. But if you notice, in Philippians 2, we're not done. For as Paul takes these snapshots of his friends, his finger inadvertently slips on the screen and he takes a selfie. Anybody else ever done that? <laughs> so we have one more picture to look at. Paul probably didn't intend for this one to be passed around. I'm going to pass it around this morning on his behalf. A photo of the man with the open hand. It's Paul. As with others, it's important to remember, first of all, the background. The background. I keep mentioning this all the time, but context is so important in any passage of Scripture. Paul has been a prisoner of the Roman authorities for at least four years at this time, and these charges that are holding him are false charges. They're not even true. We've also noted that the potential outcome is not going to be a heavy find or some kind of verbal reprimand. No, rather, it's life and death potentially for Paul. In fact, on top of all of that, some of the believers, as we've seen in chapter 1, are trying to take advantage of Paul's situation to advance themselves at his expense. But fortunately, Paul has these two dear friends by his side to keep him encouraged and to meet his needs. Wow, that's cool. But with that in mind, now let's look at the foreground. With all that in mind, look what Paul's going to do. Look at how verse 19 begins. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you too. Soon, I mean, look at the start of verse 23. I hope therefore to send him. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus. Look at the start of verse 28. I am the more eager to send him. Folks, if Paul ever needed to keep his friends by his side, this was the time. Yet what is he doing? For the sake of the church in Philippi, he's about to send them away. Paul was willing to let go. To give away what he could use so that others might grow in Christ. Now, didn't Paul have needs? (laughs) Sure. Didn't he need daily encouragement? Well, absolutely. Was not his situation more desperate than theirs? Probably. And yet now that brings us to the center focus of this photo. And Paul himself now demonstrates, probably didn't intend to, but he demonstrates the third essential quality of world flippers. And that is to have an impact on the lives of others means releasing our resources for their benefit. Again, Paul did not clutch. But well, does that remind us of anything from earlier in chapter 2, where Jesus didn't even do that? Paul did not hang on to the men that were right around him. Rather, he let them go for the benefit of others. Proverbs chapter 11, verse, starting in verse 24, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So what resources do we have that could be turned loose for the sake of others? Like Paul, is it a relationship Several times in my life, I've had the experience of watching my mom and my dad and Lucy's mom release us as we went overseas. Boy, is that a tough one, isn't it, parents, grandparents? To release your kids and your grandkids for the sake of the gospel, and they're going to live thousands and thousands of miles away. And frankly, you may not ever see them again. Are we willing to release relationships, even those most closest to us that we care about? What about hoarding our time? What about clutching our money? Are we jealously guarding our emotional energy? I mean, these are just things that can be released and let go, resources for the sake of others and the gospel penetrating our generation. Again, when I start thinking about these things, I I recognize that when circumstances get tough for all of us, myself included, it is so easy to be thinking about me and I, I forget other people. When I'm sick, when I'm emotionally drained, when I'm physically tired, when I feel threatened, when I feel misunderstood, when I'm lonely, how tempting it is to grab any resource from an attitude it's every man for themselves. And yet Paul faced all of those needs like I face them and even worse than I ever faced them. And yet powerfully reveals it is possible to release my resources for the benefit of others. See, these three candid snapshots here in Philippians 2 capture the reality of what it means to be a world flipper for God. By the way, did the photos get to your room? And when you looked at them, did you see yourself in any of those pictures as they came by? Or maybe would you like to see your pictures, your, your face in any of those photos that came by? If God is at work in us, verse 13, both to will and to work for His good pleasure, And this morning, as his children, we can ask him to develop with inside of us this sincere concern for the welfare of others, a sacrificial service for the needs of others, and a releasing of our resources for the benefit of others. In fact, let's pray right now and ask him about that, okay? Let's pray. Father, like my brothers and sisters here in this room, you know I need examples. I need models. I need others to show me how to do it. Information can only take me so far. But to watch others sometimes is just so incredibly powerful. And it's not just in how to live out humility and that's very important. It's also how to live out the the great commandment to love others well and to live out the great commission to take the gospel and make disciples wherever I am. Father, I want to thank you for these three photos this morning of Timothy, of Epaphroditus, of Paul. And, Father, I pray for myself and I pray for my dear friends here in front of me that together we would ask, Lord, would you build more deeply inside of us this sincere concern for the welfare of others? Those in our home, those who are friends, those who are family, those that we just have contact with. Maybe someone will meet in the plaza this morning. Lord, would you also build deep within each of us a sacrificial service for the needs of others and a releasing of our resources for the benefit of others. Father, help us to fight by your Holy Spirit's power the self-centeredness of this generation that keeps saying, well, what's in it for me? in order that we might be men and women that are world flippers today. Right here, this community, our families, our friendships, our country, our world. May the enemies of yours today say what was true in that first generation of believers. That these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Father, may that be true of us, I ask, in Jesus' wonderful name.
0: Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951 676 2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.